Acts chapter 28 and verse 23. The Word of the Lord says that when they had appointed a day for Him, they came to Him at His lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening He expounded to them testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what He said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God <clears throat> has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. The title of my message this morning <clears throat> is the 29th chapter of Acts. You say, well, Wesley, there's not a 29th chapter of Acts. I'm aware of that. But I want to ask the question this morning, as we saw here in Paul's statement, has our heart grown dull? Are we hearing with our ears? Are we seeing with our eyes? Are we believing? Are we continuing on the legacy of the church here in Acts? Are we in Acts 29 church? We'll look at that in a little more detail this morning, but before we do, I'd ask you to take a moment let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Holy Spirit, Thou art welcome in this place. We invite Your presence into this place and we believe that it's already here. The Bible tells us where two or three are gathered in Your name, You are in the midst and we, we believe that this morning. And so Father, for the next few moments, will You speak to our hearts? Will You renew our minds? Will You move in our church and in our individual lives? Show us what You would have us do. Show us how to be the church that you've called us to be. We ask all of these things in the name of your precious Son and our dear Savior, Jesus Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. And amen. The 29th chapter of Acts. What do you mean by that, Wesley? Well, I want us to take a brief overview of this book that we've been studying together for so long now, since last November. And of course, as I said, we paused for the month of December, and we paused a couple of other Sundays, Mother's Day and Father's Day, and here we finally have come to the end of this great passage of Scripture. <clears throat> How can we be that kind of church? How can we do the things that they did? Experience the things that they experienced. Spread the gospel in the manner in which they did. How can we be an Acts 29 church? Lloyd Ogilvie, 
was the chaplain of the U.S. Senate from 1995 until around 2003. And he had been a pastor for many years, a great thinker, a great theologian, a blessed gift to the body of Christ. And he tells a story of a trip he took when he was a student aboard the great cruise liner, the Queen Mary. And he tells about his time on that ship and uh, first of all how he wasn't able to afford a very nice room, so he was below deck pretty far. So he spent most of his time on that ship walking the top deck and thinking and imagining about how great that ship must have been in its prime because at this point in Lloyd's life, the ship was in its later years. And he would imagine what it would have looked like as it was a, a pleasure vessel to begin with, a cruise ship where people would take family vacations and trips. And then he thought about what it must have been like as a majestic troop ship later on as it was refitted for service in the Navy, evading submarines in the Atlantic Ocean. And he goes on to tell the story that years later he saw the Queen Mary once again, but this time it was a completely different setting. It was docked in a harbor in Long Island. The engine was gone. The great deck was now lined with souvenir shops. The grand dining room and ballroom had been refurbished and turned into a conference area. The, the cabins aboard the Queen Mary were now hotel rooms. It was very different from the ship that he had sailed on and imagined. And he wrote these words, and I want to share them with you this morning because there's a lot of truth in it. He said that while on board the motionless Queen, I reviewed a documentary movie about how she was built and the way she served through wars and changing history. The movie ended up with a triumphant but somehow tragic statement supported by an upsweep of dramatic music. The greatest ship that ever went to sea is now the greatest ship to come and see. The words were still in my mind the next day, he writes, when I greeted the congregation of my Hollywood Presbyterian Church after worship. A woman visitor from Iowa made a comment she meant to be a compliment. The similarity of the closing lines of the movie made it just the opposite. She had heard about Hollywood Church for years and had been inspired by the influence of its preaching and program upon America. With excitement, she said, I have waited for years to visit the Hollywood Presbyterian Church to see all the great things that used to happen here. Not exactly anything that any pastor wants to hear. As he mentioned, she meant it as a compliment, but it could be taken in a myriad of different ways. And it led me to ask a question this morning. Are we in danger of becoming just a monument? Just a, a marker that points to something in the past that God did back then. But it's not happening today. It's not going on now. You know that I'm a huge follower and fan of Dr. R. Kent Hughes. And he made, this, he made this statement talking about the very same thing. He said, he said, no church is more than a generation away from such a possibility. The church that is not a monument but is steaming ahead is a living extension of the book of Acts. That's exactly what I mean by the question, are we an Acts 29 church? There are three distinctives that I see as I look out over the landscape of the book of Acts. Three things that I think made them what they were. 
made them a prime target to be used by God and to ignite a fire in the world. What did they do? What made them special? And how can we be that kind of church today? Well, there are three things I'll share with you this morning. And the first thing is this. They had an upward characteristic. An upward characteristic. What do you mean by that? They worshipped. They worshipped. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. If you look at the lives that we've seen displayed here in the book of Acts, worship pervaded their entire life. Worship was a lifestyle. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, and it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Scripture says day by day, they worshiped in the temple. They fellowshiped together. They broke bread together. Worship services. It was a part of their life. And then we, we see Paul, the most prominent figure here in the book of Acts, and he was focused on heaven. That was his goal. That was his purpose, to get there and to take as many people as he could with him. If you see his epistles and you read them, his letters to the individual churches, you will notice that theme. One author said of Paul that he lived in the heavenlies. He was focused upward. He was worshiping God. Love and worship was something that was commanded to God's people. In the Shema, which was a summary statement of the law, this was commanded in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came down and, and, and enabled and empowered the believers to live a life for Christ and to worship Him. And once that happened, those legal strictures were now removed. They no longer had to follow that, that mold to worship God. Now they could worship in spirit and in truth. It was as natural to them as breathing. They wanted to worship their God. Are we in danger of becoming nothing more than a monument? We are if we fail to worship God. A.W. Tozer was a, a preacher a theologian of days gone by, and many referred to him as a prophet to the modern church, and he made this statement. He said, We've lost our spirit of worship and our ability to withdraw inwardly, to meet God in adoring silence. Modern Christianity is simply not producing the kind of Christian who can appreciate or experience the life and the spirit. The words, Be still and know that I am God, mean next to nothing the self-confident, bustling worshiper in the middle period of the 20th century. I read a, about a column, a Dear Abby column, written some years ago, in which a particular writer had taken a, an informal, non-scientific poll, and the poll focused on churchgoers asking them why they attended church. And the sad fact was that in all of the results, not one person mentioned anything about worship about worshiping God. If we are to avoid becoming a relic, a mere monument of what God has done in the past, we must worship Him. Amen. William Temple 
once gave this definition of worship. He said it's to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open up the heart to the love of God. And finally, to devote the will to the purpose of God. Worship must encompass our entire being. All of our being is to be involved in worshiping God. As I talked about just last week, there are many ways that you can worship Him. And worship is not just coming to a church service and singing a hymn or singing a chorus. Worship is a lifestyle that we live. Are we worshiping God? Do we have that upward characteristic? Continuing on, the second thing that I see is that the church in Acts had an inward characteristic. What does that mean? They, they, they took care of one another. They had care for Christ's body, the church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 again, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. That word fellowship in the Greek means commonness. Commonness, having something in common. Or a better description would be the idea of joint participation, sharing. That's what it would mean when it was used in the New Testament. Giving to someone else or sharing in an experience. R. Kent Hughes said that they cared for one another. They were socially and materially part of one another's lives. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 15, I will gladly spend myself and all I have for you. Are we caring for one another? As I ask that question, let me interject this. I'm thankful for a church that I have seen do that. I'm thankful for a group of people that I have seen firsthand reach out to someone in need. Share, whether it be of your finances, whether it be of, of your time, whether it be praying for one another, sharing in each other's experiences. When we do that, we're being more like Christ. When we do that, we're being like the church in Acts, caring for one another. John chapter 13 and verse 35 says that by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Scripture says that when we love one another, we're extending grace to the world. We're being a witness to the world. Do you want Harvest Baptist to have a good testimony? Do you want this church to be well thought of and well spoken of in the community that we're placed in? Then love one another. We're being more like Christ when we love one another showing grace to the world. So there's an inward characteristic of caring for each other. There's the upward characteristic, focusing on God, worshiping Him. But finally this morning, there's the outward characteristic. What is that? Taking the message to the rest of the world. What's your reference for that one, Wes? Well, the entire book of Acts. The entire theme of this book that we have studied for so long together now has been evangelizing, spreading the gospel to those who've never heard. In chapters 1 through 7, we see the spread of the gospel in Jerusalem. You remember what Christ told His followers before He ascended to heaven? He said, you will be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. 
So chapter 1 through 7, we see the gospel spreading through Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 11, we see it spreading in all Judea and Samaria. They reached out to, to their neighbors, those who were close to them. And then finally, in the 12th chapter and on to the end, the gospel being extended to the Gentiles, to the ends of the earth. They had an outward characteristic. They were concerned about evangelism. What is an Acts 29 church? Maybe you've heard that term. There are actually churches that go by that name and ministries that go by that name. Acts 29. And I heard it years ago and I thought, wait, wait, wait. there is no Acts 29. But I get it now. We're continuing this legacy. We're continuing this gospel uh, kingdom uh, ministry that Acts that the church in Acts was called to. An Acts 29 church is a worshiping church. <clears throat> a church that is focused upward. A church that is focused on the things of God, on the things above, as Scripture tells us. An Acts 29, <clears throat> an Acts 29 church is a caring church. <clears throat> an inward focus. Focused on taking care of our own reaching out to our brothers and sisters who are in need, uh, giving to them of our time, of our finances, of, a, of whatever God has blessed us with, and also sharing in their experiences, bearing one another's burdens, as Scripture talks about. An inward focus, but finally, in Acts 29, church is an evangelistic church. A church that has an outward focus. A church that is extending the book of Acts into our day, our here and now. As we now officially come to an end of our study of Acts this morning, I want us to turn back to Scripture one more time, to Acts chapter 28. <clears throat> and I want us to take one final look at Paul's words to the leaders of the Jewish synagogues in Rome. As I said, they were debating the truth of the gospel with Paul and Scripture tells us that some departed and believed and others did not. And we'll pick up in verse 25, the latter part of it, where Paul begins to speak and he says, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand you will indeed see but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Their hearts, Paul said, had grown dull. As we close this morning, how are our hearts? Are they sluggish? Are they constricted? Or are they alive with the love of God? Is there vitality in our lives and in our church? Are we mere monuments? Are we just pointing to something that God did in the past? Or are we movers? Are we an Acts 29 church? Would you pray with me?
Dear God, our Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to our minds. Renew us. Change us. Sanctify us. Mold us and shape us into the body of believers that you have called us to be. We thank you for this time that we have had to study your word and in particular this message from Acts. The things that we've learned over the last few months together, the changes that you've made in our individual lives, But Father, this morning it is our collective prayer that we would be an Acts 29 church. A church with an upward focus, worshiping You. A church with an inward focus, caring for one another, sharing in each other's experiences. And a church with an outward focus, Concerned about evangelism. Concerned not only about giving to foreign missions, but spreading the gospel right around where we work and where we live and where we play, where we go to church, where we go to school. That's our first mission field. That's our Jerusalem. Father, give us a burden for our friends and our family that do not know you. May we be burdened for the lost. Father, this morning I pray that you would empower each and every one of us by the power of your Spirit. That is another theme that we see so often throughout this book of Acts is power from the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being led and guided by the Spirit. So Father, if we are to be that kind of church... May we lean upon your spirit. May we be guided by you. Father, we ask all of these things this morning. In the name of your Son and our Savior, and it's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen.